welcome to In the Booth, a podcast by the Frederick News Post. My name is Jillian Atelsik, and I cover education. In this series, we're sitting down with each of the 16 candidates for the Frederick County Board of Education. This is a more crowded field than we've seen in many years, and there's been an unprecedented amount of money poured into the race so far. With school board elections across the country receiving more attention than ever, we wanted to ask each local candidate about the most pressing issues facing Frederick County Public Schools. Today, I spoke with Heather Fletcher. She's a mother of three from Point of Rocks, who has been homeschooling her three children since October of 2021. Heather told me about her concerns around transparency, parents' rights, and what she says is a troubling trend of politicization in the classroom. She also spoke about special education and burnout among teachers. Enjoy the conversation. I hope you guys check back for more over the coming weeks. And don't forget, primary elections are July 19th and early voting begins July 7th. All right, today we have Heather Fletcher. Thank you so much for joining us. You're welcome. To get started, can you tell me about where in the county you're from and what your day job or your professional background is? Sure. I live in Point of Rocks, Maryland, with my husband, three kids, and I've lived there for 13 years. Um, My background is I graduated from the University of North Dakota with a bachelor's degree in uh, aviation um, management and air traffic control and airport management. Very cool. And I work. (laughs) That's one I haven't heard so far in this series of interviews. Yes, and I worked there for. I worked at Andrews Air Force Base. I worked there for almost seven years. Um, I loved my job there. It was very hard to leave that profession, but I needed to be at home with my children, so I left. What age are your children? I have a ten-year-old, an eight-year-old, and a five-year-old. Okay, and are they in Frederick County Public Schools? They were in Frederick County Public Schools until October of 2021, last year. And I pulled them out because I was pretty disturbed by some things that were happening in the school systems. Okay. Can you be more specific about those things? Well, I have a five and a half year old at the time. She was five and a half. And they were um, forced to wear masks all day. And eight hours of wearing a mask for a five and a half year old is pretty outrageous. And um, when I did decide to pull her out, that wasn't the only reason I pulled them out. But when I did decide to pull them out, um, she literally stared my week, my lips for about two and a half weeks straight to see what the words were coming out of my mouth and matching the sounds, trying to figure out how the words match what I'm saying. So I was so grateful that I allowed her to be able to see me speak and keep her home safe with me. Another reason was because my fourth grader's classroom was completely out of control. They had a new teacher and He was fabulous, but there was boys in the classroom that had been together from a young age. And um, at one point, the day before I pulled them out, they were um, being allowed to run around the classroom and pile on each other and play tag, which I was very afraid that if a girl came home to her parents and said that, you know, Tristan Fletcher and these boys were laying on top of me at school, that potentially um, he would be in trouble. So another reason was... uh, friend of mine's kid was um, charged with uh, assault charges in fourth grade because of things that were allowed to go on in the classroom because there was no discipline, um, no actions that the teacher could take to help these students, and they were understaffed. Okay. Have you ever run for any kind of public office before? No. What made you decide to want to run this time? What do you see as the most important issues of your campaign? 
So the reason I ran was because I became increasingly involved in the Board of Ed meetings and researching the documents and the um, the board docs and also following the money and what's happening um, in our state and on, in the nation, in our state, and then on the local level. Um, and I felt called to do something about it and take action because I have the knowledge to do so. So some of the most important things I'm running on. Um, I want to restore the bond in the community with the teachers and the staff in Frederick County Public School Systems and the families. And I want there to be truth and transparency in everything that the Board of Education does. We're elected to provide a service to the community and take care of our students, our children, and take care of our teachers who work so very hard for our students and our children and support them. And I feel it is an obligation to our community to make sure that our children are protected. Okay. So you said that um, you got interested in running based on watching the board meetings, getting more involved, looking at the documents. You mentioned something about money and the financial side of things. Mm -hmm. Can you be a little bit more specific and tell me what kinds of um, problems you're seeing or what kinds of uh, issues were the impetus to, to get you to launch this campaign? Well, there was extra funds that were um, given to school systems based on compliance with uh, regulations and so forth, uh, having to do with COVID regulations, masking the students, testing, all these different types of things that they wanted um, local school systems to do. And um, if they didn't comply, they would lose this funding. So a lot of local school systems complied, and that was not the best choice for our students. Um, also, we have a MOU between Advocates for Youth and the Frederick County Public School Systems. This is a nonprofit that promotes, um, helps promote the um, and t- uh, protect the LGBTQ plus. Sorry if I said it out of order, community. And, um, but it's also taking um, what children are meant to go to school for, which is learn math and reading and writing and science and art and music and PE. And they're putting um, political and controversial ideologies into our classrooms and having our teachers, many of whom do not want to teach this information, it's forcing them to do so. It's also all tied to funding, and um, Advocates for Youth is a partner for Planned Parenthood, who also now has a direct access line for our seventh graders to watch videos and get advertising directly to our students. And students can go get STD testing and probably other services from Planned Parenthood without the parents' knowledge of doing so. And this is all, again, has to do with money. So just to be clear for listeners who might not be aware, what uh, Heather is talking about is a video that was recently approved by the Family Life Advisory Committee. It's about a minute and a half long, and it goes through uh, STD testing information. It is aimed for seventh grade health, and it was produced by Planned Parenthood. So switching gears here a little bit, um, if you were elected, you would be serving alongside uh, Dr. Dyson, the new superintendent for Frederick County Public Schools. Mm -hmm. And FCPS has not had a new superintendent in a really long time, more than a decade um, under Dr. Alban. 
and then I guess a few months here under her her deputy. So this is going to be a pretty big change for the district in terms of leadership and I'm wondering if you can tell us a little bit about how you would plan to work alongside Dr. Dyson, any priorities you might introduce and you know, any changes you think we could take advantage of in this sort of new chapter of leadership that the district is getting ready to enter. I've heard from several teachers that their most, um, the most daunting and overwhelming um, concern they have and their daily struggles is the when the Department of Justice had their findings with our county and there was teachers found that were being, um, you know, pretty much abusive to these children um, with with seclusion and restrictions and um, restraints and. Um, instead of focusing on the teachers that were the issue and taking care of that, they made a knee-jerk reaction and they now say that you can't touch a student. These teachers have no way to protect their students, to protect themselves, and to protect, you know, kids in their classrooms. So um, they can't protect their students from themselves. And I heard a story... um, it took about an hour and a half. Um, teachers just had to corral around one student who was getting naked in the hallway. And another story I heard was, um, you know, a student was literally punched another student in the back as hard as they could and was going to go and punch them again. And the teacher literally had to get between the student and the um, other student and took the punch for that student because he couldn't do anything. They can't touch. They can't gently grab their arm and take them out of the situation. So, Well, to be clear, I just want to clarify. So mm-hmm. the DOJ investigation, which was actually my next question, so yeah. we're going to talk about it. Yeah. Um, after that was announced, the district was required to immediately end seclusion, but restraint is still allowed and it is still happening in the schools. So they are allowed to touch students. They're allowed to restrain them if there's a danger. And they're allowed to, you know, lead them physically from one place to another. Um, I've also heard from teachers that the lack of access to seclusion is, is a concern for some of them. They mm-hmm. don't know what to do with a student who they feel really needs to be in a room alone and, and have some quiet time. So so that I do, I understand that things similar to what you're saying are mm-hmm. happening, but I just want to be clear that they are allowed to touch students and they are still um, able to restrain a dangerous child. I do appreciate the clarification on what's um, is currently allowed, and I just know that I think teachers, whether it's allowed or not, have been told that they can't do so, um, because that is what I've heard from a lot of teachers, that they are not able to do anything with these students. Now, whether that's the policy or whether that's what's actually happening in these schools, I think there may be a disconnect, but I want to make it clear to a the teachers and have them know that if a student needs to be gently removed, and I think the vast majority of teachers knows how to gently take care of a a student that that is out of control. I'm not saying that every teacher can do that, and those teachers don't belong in the public school systems. So I appreciate the clarification, and but I do think it needs to be even more clear for these teachers because the schools are out of control. Okay. Well, yeah, diving into the DOJ investigation, which, like I said, was the next question on my list. Um, Can you talk to me about what areas you see um, as possible places for improvement in special education or any ideas you have just in terms of how you would navigate the continued impacts of this investigation? I know it's had a really big impact on a lot of people in our community and um, 
there are a lot of families who feel that there's sort of a lack of trust there. So mm-hmm. what would you do about that if you were elected? The first thing I would do is I would, every teacher that was um, a part of the investigation and even other teachers that have had complaints against them, multiple complaints, I will do a thorough investigation. I will make sure that these teachers, um, you know, I won't personally do the investigation. I will have one done, that they um, are safe to be around our children. And um, I won't move ch- teachers from one school to another and try to hide them, you know, and keep on holding on to teachers that are harmful to our students. If they have shown any history of being um, neglectful to our kids, I will um, say that they are unfit to teach in this public school system. And um, as the main thing, the first thing I would do and, um, for special education, you know, my son, my oldest, one of the reasons I quit my job was because he's on the spectrum. He's very high functioning, but he needed a lot of services and he needed a lot of attention. And I felt it as a parent, it's my duty to be there for him and provide that for him. So I have a heart for special education and I would do my very, very best to advocate and hire the best possible teachers we could have for these students who know how to handle these students. And they have clear guidelines. If a student is, you know, having a a problem of how to handle the student in a, um, in the correct manner and in the non-neglectful manner. Gotcha. Well, another topic um, that has been brought up a lot at recent board meetings and that you've already mentioned so far in our conversation, I know it's um, an important part of your platform, is the family life and human sexuality curriculum. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, from hearing you speak at board meetings and following your campaign, I know where you stand on this issue. But for Mm -hmm. listeners who don't, could you um, sort of fill us in? And as background, just for anyone who's not aware, this is... Uh, updates to the curriculum that came down from the state, or not not necessarily to the curriculum, but to the framework that is used to write the curriculum that aim, the school district says, aim to make it more inclusive of different gender identities and sexual orientation. So there's a group who support that move, and there's a group um, who is pretty opposed to it, thinks that it's not age appropriate, uh, and that it wasn't Uh, that parental involvement and parental input wasn't considered enough in the process. So I know that's where you stand on the ladder of those, Heather, but can Mm -hmm. you talk about why you feel that way and what you think about this discussion and the way it's played out in the community in the last couple months? Personally, it's heartbreaking to me that um, we have mentally ill children from the COVID policies that have been put forth and that the school system in general, the state and the local board were Frederick County's, um, if not the first one to pass um, the new framework to be worked into the curriculum and to be worked, you know, built this new curriculum around this framework. Um, we're very close to the first in the whole state of Maryland to follow through with this. And we have a lot of priorities um, that are much higher than this in our school systems. Our kids can't do math, they can't read, they can't write. So not only is it not a priority to be teaching our pre-K, especially pre-K to third grade, this information, um, it also goes against a lot of people's value systems. And um, 
children under the age, around seven or eight, you reach an age of rec uh, reasoning, you kind of start to question maybe Santa Claus and other things, but under that age group, when you're younger than that, um, you know, unicorns and fairies, they seem real to you. And, you know, imagination just runs wild. And when you start to say, hey, you know, um, you can be anything you want to be. You could be a boy, even though you were born a girl. You can choose to do whatever you want. I think in a um, situation when you have children already in a very mentally fragile state, that it is going to get them thinking about things that they never would have ever thought about before if not pushed in front of their face. And it's not the, lo the public school systems. Um, it is not the public school system's um, duty to teach value systems. You know, we can stick with the respect and be kind to everybody. Bullying should never be tolerated, no matter who you are or where you come from. And that is it. That is what these young children need to know. They don't know color. They don't know any of this until it's taught to them. They don't know gender identity um, stuff that in the sense that adults do, and they won't understand it. They are too young and they're too fragile to be giving them this kind of information that is so utterly confusing to them. All right. Well, switching gears a little bit here, um, I want to talk about compensation for staff and the way that that might impact recruitment and retention efforts across FCPS. So in the wake of COVID, um, our school system and school systems across the country have struggled to fill all their vacancies. And um, some people have posited that here in FCPS, part of the reason that is, is because our teachers are paid on average less than they would be to work in a county like Washington, Montgomery, or Howard. Mm -hmm. um, so this has led to, like I said, a lot of concern about whether we can recruit teachers for the jobs that we need and support staff as well, like bus drivers and, and custodians. Mm -hmm. And then there's also a concern about retaining them once we hire them. So um, can you tell us about where you stand in that debate and any ideas you have to mitigate those concerns? Yes. Yeah, so um, I know that uh, teaching has become a really, you know, used to be a pretty fabulous career for teachers. They worked really hard, but a uh, very rewarding career. And now, I mean, with curriculums changing every year, so Frederick County Public School Systems just adopted a new curriculum, and now the teacher is going to have to learn a whole new curriculum for next year. Um, uh, some of them, I'm not sure, every level, especially at the elementary level, they're going to have to learn new things, but I think it does go up to the high school level. Um, you know, the constant changes that these teachers have to go through year to year, normally in a normal profession, after a couple of years of doing something, you feel like you got the groove of things and things become easier and you you got your lesson plans and you feel confident and it's important that we don't constantly change everything for these teachers um and so that's one thing that would make i think job satisfaction just a little bit easier for these teachers and also um the administrative type stuff the teachers have to be responsible for you know any part that need could go in that area i would try to reduce their load um, I think we need to look at the demands that we have on the students and why we have such um, outrageous behavior in the classroom. I mean, 
are we doing things the right way to actually get these children to learn? You know, should there be more hands-on type activities? Should we be learning outside when possible? Should we have two recesses, you know? Should we um, make sure our lunches are healthy for these kids and not full of sugar? You know, donuts and chocolate milk for breakfast is not a healthy breakfast for these students. And a lot of the um, students that really need these nutritious meals are not being provided for them. Um, So about retaining staff and getting staff, um, I think it's going to take a lot of creative thinking and critical thinking. um, And we have to become the best Frederick, you know, Frederick County could be the best public school system in the country, in the world. But that takes work, and we have to work together, and we have to think about, you know, how can we make this a place that people actually want to go to work and don't get burnt out because they're so tired, these teachers. The staff are so exhausted, and I don't blame them. I don't think I could last more than a year doing their job, and that's what's happening. They burn out after a year. Um, so we have to look at what we're doing and we need to be critical and we need to make, we need to make changes in support of them, not demanding more of them. Okay. So it sounds like what you're saying is that you would focus on issues of workload and and burnout instead of issues of pay when it comes to trying to, you know, uh, Frederick County public school systems gets a very low amount compared to the rest of the, you know, a lot of counties in the state, a lot less money from the state level, and I'm not sure federal, but, um, you know, any way we could make it more enticing and, and, you know, budget wise, I know they just had to cut, you know, $8 million from the budget. So any way we could make it better for the teachers pay wise and make it more incentive, but really, you know, I don't think a lot of teachers always go into this because they want to make a great deal of money. A lot of them go into it because they want to make a difference in children's lives. And so, you know, I think we need to be competitive. I think we need to be fair. And I think we also need to make it a good place to be in work. Okay. So something you um, and the folks you're running with, um, which I don't think we've mentioned yet, but... You are, you've sort of aligned yourself with three other candidates. Um, You're not a formal group or a slate, as Mm -hmm. that's the legal term. Um, So we'll talk about them and and sort of the the political aspects of this race in a minute. But you and and these other folks have expressed a lot about a desire for more transparency and more communication from the school district. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure if you're familiar with the results um, of a survey done by the firm that was responsible for finding the next superintendent. Um, but one of the most striking data points to me was about transparency and communication and how that's perceived among staff, students, community members, and, and teachers. Um, so if you were elected, what would you do about this perception that there's a lack of trust or a lack of transparent communication from the school district and from the board? Um, first off, what was the finding? Was it saying that – was it um, saying that – they do feel the school system is transparent or that they do not? Uh, well, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but what I'm referring to is pretty low scores on questions that were like, um, do you feel the school system communicates transparently or do you feel that leadership communicates effectively? Things of that nature. Um, some people said yes, but more people said no Okay. in general. And that, that's a broad generalization. But like I said, I don't have the results right in front of me. Okay. Um yeah, I would agree that I think there's a huge lack of transparency. Um, 
when there was questions about do we want to, you know, do imp- how do you feel about in-person learning or how do you feel about virtual learning? And there was tons and tons of surveys um, regarding that. But when it's, um, you know, how would you feel about having this state framework adopted by our school system, there wasn't a peep on that. And it was actually in a four and a half hour meeting when the board, don't quote me if that's exact amount of time that the um, meeting was, but it was a long meeting and um, they passed this um, new health um, curriculum or state framework um, on a consent agenda and they didn't make any mention to it at all on what was included on the agenda. And if people were not doing the research and still a lot of parents have no idea that this is going on and a lot of teachers don't even know that this is going on um to me that's a lack of transparency and um i spoke with a previous um board of education member for frederick county public schools and she said when she was on the board if there was anything of controversy or something that needs to be um, further explained to the public or brought to the public's attention because it's extremely important and it's a huge change. She would pull it off a consent agenda and I would do the same thing. I would never put something like this under a consent agenda where you can just say, I vote yes and not have to talk about it at all. So I think there's a huge, and then with the Department of Justice um, and Terry, Dr. Terry Albine and what happened there and the board who knows what knowledge of it they actually had um there's just a lot of cover-ups and um i think there's a lot of room for improvement okay so besides pulling things off consent agenda do you have other ideas about how you would make that improvement happen Yes, um, you mentioned some ladies I'm running with, and April Montgomery um, is one of the ladies I'm running alongside. We are not a slate, but we are we kind of align on some very important issues, and we're um, kind of teaming up together and running alongside each other. And we've talked about um, different ideas on how, um, you know, maybe a teacher could have a page with everything that you know, their type of curriculum that they use, maybe the books they use. We just have to figure out there's, you know, lots of ideas on, you know, how can we let um, parents, well, parents could maybe flag a book if they feel that it's inappropriate um, on a system and then we can look at it and we can review it and there could be a due process on the book and then if it is found to be inappropriate the book can be removed from the library system so there's a way for te- for parents to s- report books that they are concerned about and there's a way to get these books removed um, <clears throat> another thing is you know if a teacher um, says hey I'm witnessing some harmful behavior from other staff or teachers uh, you know a particular person that needs to be directly followed up with you know we cannot cover these things up and I would as a board member have um, any teacher could directly email me and let me know and I would ensure that any concerns they have I would look into so those are a few ideas um, curriculum anything any books you know should be open to the public any time of the year they should be able to read every book that's um, a part of the curriculum and have access to that. Um, So that's a few things that I would try to work on. Okay. 
Well, as we get ready to wrap up here, um, I want to clarify for listeners what we were touching on earlier, which is that Heather and April Montgomery, Ashley Nieves, and Tiffany Noble are running sort of um, aligned campaigns, but they have not filed together as a slate, which is a legal term, and that means that a group spends money together and raises money together. So I'm curious if you can talk to me about where you see yourself and your fellow candidates fitting into this race, where we have 16 candidates, it's a really crowded field, and these two different groups of four self-described conservative candidates. Um, Mm -hmm. What do you see the landscape of that as, and, and how do you see yourself fitting into it? Well, eight people can get through the primaries. So um, I feel that um, if no matter what, in my personal opinion, if four conservatives get through, I would be extremely happy because I feel that um, a lot of the things that I'm running on would be addressed. And so, but... I continue in the race and I continue working and fighting for the community because I believe that um, I personally would bring a lot to the board and I think the ladies I'm running alongside also believe that and um, the four other conservatives that are running as a slate believe that they will bring the best. So, you know, we're campaigning and we're getting our name out there and what we stand for and we'll let the community decide what they want. All right. Well, in this really crowded field, can you, to to finish up here, can you tell us about um, why you think you're qualified for this position and why you think voters should put their trust in you as opposed to any of the other 15 candidates on the ballot? Well, I think I can see things pretty clearly. And, um, and I am able to listen to people's opinions and see both sides of and understand where they're coming from. Not that I would agree with what they're coming from, but I can understand where they're coming from. And um, working as an air traffic controller, it's a team up in the um, in the tower. Um, you know, I was a controller for Air Force One, and uh, we all had to work together. If I saw something, you know, even if I don't agree with everything my coworker might do or say, that doesn't matter. It's about the mission in in our job to keep people safe. So um, we would work together and we worked together fantastically. And, you know, if I saw something that was unsafe immediately, you know, I don't care. It's not about personalities and personal beliefs when you're talking about this type of stuff. It's about keeping um, our community safe. And um, so I can work with well with other people and I'm a very forgiving person even if a person is not nice to me I can forgive overnight and I am also very well versed in policies and procedures working for the Federal Aviation Administration we had a book we call it the Bible it's super thick book um, um, regulations and laws that are written to to keep um, the pilots safe and to keep um, you know, civilians safe who fly on airplanes. And we had to follow those rules and we had to um, make sure that we were doing our job because if not, we would be legally prosecuted. And so um, I knew that book inside and out. I thoroughly enjoy researching and looking at policies. So I think I'm very unqualified to do that type and pass policies. Um, And also I'm 
very good with management and um, managing money. And I think that's another very important thing on the school board. Um, so we need to make sure our money is going where to the highest priorities. And um, I would say, you know, um, staff, if you don't have teachers teaching your kids and you don't have staff there, um, you don't have bus drivers driving the kids, I don't know what, mu what much of a school you have. So... Um, yeah, I volunteered in the school system when my kids were in the schools on a weekly basis at some times and other times bi-weekly. I wanted to know the teachers. I wanted to know the staff. I wanted to know the kids. I loved it. I would go to the lunches. I would sit with the kids. I did everything I could um, to try to be involved, all the activities. Um, I was there, and I have a, a pretty good understanding of how the school system works and... Um, I feel like I can make it even better. All right, Heather Fletcher, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you.